Welcome to the Business of You podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Gogos. This podcast is dedicated to helping you uncover how to turn your big idea into big business and grow your personal brand into the business of your dreams. Each week, I'll talk to founders of all kinds of businesses, exploring how they launched and grew their companies. Behind every successful business is an epic journey, one that can serve as a roadmap to help you grow yours. The Business of You is all about frank conversations and unique business wisdom for the entrepreneur. It's a chance to tune into the story behind the brand and retrace the path of those who walked this road before you so you can pave your own road to success. Welcome to the Business of You. Today's guest on the Business of You is Don Schminke. Don is a researcher, an author, and a professor. He has fascinating insights from around the globe, from his global expeditions, but also in the parts of the country where he has been a most active in his research, including MIT and Johns Hopkins. In fact, using his research from MIT and Johns Hopkins, Don uses evolutionary genetics to expose popular management myths and unearth controversial but scientifically accurate methods to accelerate sales, market penetration, competitive advantage, and even performance of an organization. His most recent book is called Winners and Losers. I highly recommend that you get it. And here's just a little description on it. He says, Don says, if struggling to be an entrepreneur, forget what you know. Success is not about how to win. It's actually about how to lose. So if this sounds intriguing to you, and if you've struggled with losing, right, which entrepreneur hasn't, by the way, highly recommend you pick up Don's book. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Business of You with our really unique guest, Don Schimke. Don, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you here today. How are you doing so far? Good. Thanks for having me. Doing great. Well, eager to dive into your story, um, I was reading some of your early, early backstory, and you have some really interesting life experiences, uh, not only what you're doing today, but things that you lived through in the past. So would love to hear your, you know, your backstory of, of how you got to where you are today. Um, as far back as what did you what did you do in college and what were you planning to do career wise in the early days? <laughs> That's a good story. I mean, I I almost dropped out of high school, so that was like the, that was the first part of it, and then um, and then I uh, the police said I had to finish high school, so I had to start showing up. So I had two months, <laughs> <laughs> and I ended up finishing the well, whole year within a couple of months. But what's cool about it is I I was um, I I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I just knew I loved uh, learning, and uh, it was. I ended up uh, dropping out of rock bands and I was pumping gas and I found out that, you know, I should probably get an education because that's probably where mo- the money can be. And uh, so I went to a community college and uh, some people were retired from Cambridge. It was interesting. And um, they uh, said, you know, you should, there's something about you. You should apply to MIT, which I didn't know what that meant. I thought that was like a trade school or something. I had no idea what MIT was. So uh, so okay, okay. And I did it. And they put me through a whole battery of testing and this and that. So I guess somebody saw something I didn't see. And that's how I ended up at MIT. And then I 
started uh, surrounded by incredible opportunity and brilliant people. And I, um, you know, started experimenting with um, planetary physics, um, the early stages of AI and electrical engineering in those areas. I worked on nuclear trident program. Uh, so, so it's just support, nothing, nothing, not a major role, but it was kind of cool to be around people like that. And then I automated the Harvard MIT Biomedical Lab. And in that, I started looking at humans and I began really fascinated with human studies. And that, that's what took me to Hopkins. And I ended up doing my graduate work there. I ended up teaching there. And that's really where they started coming together. But I was able to take all these integrated sciences because, you know, I have ADHD, so it's easy for me to put <laughs> a dozen thoughts at one time, get that thing together. And I could see patterns whereby the reason most um, business theories were failing in practice and you can go to Google Scholar and do a search on the, the academic literature. I mean, there's like over 5 million papers on management theory failure rates. I thought that what was missing when I looked at ancient work of leaders and current biological uh, work, it was, uh, and then include evolutionary genetics and evolutionary psychology. And just hanging out with brilliant people that knew more than I do about these areas, I began to see patterns where we were teaching leadership wrong and then I began experimenting with how to do it better using um, different models. And then um, Oxford University at the time gave me permission to use an ancient manuscript. And I was really surprised. I was really grateful that they let me have copyright access to a 700-year-old management training program for the samurai. And that's when I wrote the code of the executive back in the 90s. So next thing I know, that takes off. Then I'm on CNN, I'm on the Wall Street Journal, and I'm like, what just happened? I was just trying to do a small treatise for that I can use in my classes that I taught at Hopkins. And then CEOs were like, well, this is different. And, and so we would go in and we started growing companies faster using these bizarre techniques. And then with the money that I made from all that, we funded more research. I started doing expeditions around the world and... And I'm an old guy, so I've been doing this for a while. And they told me I've trained over 30,000 CEOs in this work. And I thought, wow, that's amazing because I've learned so much from each one of them. Um, I, I didn't interview each one personally, but they were in groups. And in these workshops, I would get insights and uh, test ideas. Some some sucked. Some did really well. But it really helped me um, like hone this with with CEOs. And so it was really a, a useful laboratory to have access uh, to that to that kind of audience. And so I'm still learning. Uh, we're still making mistakes and, uh, and, and inventing new methodologies. Um, I just linked up with the Pacific Institute, which started 50 years ago on doing a lot of this with Tice. And so we're having a great uh, mind melt and um, taking it forward. So that's what I do. I, I just like to learn. And, and that means, you know, the research and, and the, the global expeditions, but I also like to teach, which is why I work with executive teams or I do speaking and, and uh, write books and stuff like that. So that's a long answer to your question. But that's yeah. how I got here. <laughs> really interesting. Tell me about the global expeditions. What is the focus of these typically? And, and how do you pick your next location? Yeah, it's always been a problem because I thought, you know, I had to fund this myself. And some people said, well, why don't you stay with the university and just get funding from them? But it's really hard to say, 
you know, I need a bunch of money to go somewhere. Where are you going? I don't know. What are you going to learn? I don't know. What's your purpose? <laughs> I don't know. Like, they just don't fund that. But me, I could fund that, right? So <laughs> right. I could wake up one day and think, oh, this is interesting. Let's go here. Like when I, but it started when I was at MIT, I went into the Soviet bloc during its collapse because I wanted to see how an empire collapses. Nobody was studying this. And there's a live case study working in itself. And that's, that's when I almost got arrested as a capitalist spy because you're not supposed to sneak in the Soviet bloc. But, you know, anyway, long story <laughs> short. Um, but I've realized that when I go to these extreme regions, um, I actually can learn things that hadn't been learned before. And I love that because as a teacher, that's just exciting, you know, to be just to go places and learn things. So I don't really know how to pick a place. I just sort of end up there. Um, like I made a sign. Oh, I heard there's a medieval city in North Africa that's still operating. What can I learn from that? So I took my daughter and we went over to North Africa and um, found the city. And then at the same time, I found out that there was, an, there was a 10,000 year old tribe living in the mountains. I'm like, oh, you know, let's do that. So I, I got a guide and we ended up there. Totally unexpected. Learned so much. It was just incredible. The people were beautiful. They don't mind. Some mind taking pictures because sometimes that's a problem culturally, but just the interviews and whatever filming I could do ended up providing not only validation of some modern medical theories and evolutionary theories, but also some real time leadership models that CEOs love because it's like, wow, this is this is real stuff. It's like it's like not like a new theory. It's almost like unearthing of an ancient one that yes. it's worked. You know? Yeah, yeah. So I yeah, that's how that works out. Yeah. Would you have a an expedition planned in the future? And if so, where is that? Where are you going to go for that? One? You know, it's funny during COVID, um, nobody was going anywhere, and and I heard of colleagues that were like stuck in countries for like six months, so they go and get out. So I ended up going into cinema and uh, started learning how to do filming because I'm stuck, you know, and and, and I uh, took a cigar room in my other house and ended up just learning how to film. And that's when we started doing things and um, like becoming samurai. It was like an interesting thing that I did with a bunch of other CEO coaches. Um, uh, so that's what I learned. Now, what's next? I'm not sure because right now I'm getting uh, very involved with the Pacific Institute. Um, but I think I'd... Uh, if I had to pick something, I think I'd like to go back to Africa uh, because I learn a lot. I learn a lot there. So there are certain regions I haven't explored yet. So we'll stay tuned. Next year will be a, a, that things are calming down and COVID has been, you know, sort of in the background now we can. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's travel safely. There's other other global issues now, right? Not COVID so much. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, war, you know, it's um, yeah, that's that's. Um, stopping travel to some really unbelievable places. I'm really yes. that I can't get into certain regions. Um, you know, I mean, I could, but I'd have to be trained in how to use a, a, a cave or something again. Right, right, right. A little more self-defense training. Yeah. Well, but you're also, uh, you know, aside from the global expedition planning, in the middle of a book launch, right, with your latest book, Winners and Losers. Yeah, yeah. What you mentioned that um, you worked with at least 30,000 CEOs and business leaders. What were some surprising insights that really shocked you that you uncovered in the research and the writing of this book? 
Well, it came out of, um, I, I, in one of my speeches, I had some CEOs saying, you know, why don't you write a book for entrepreneurs? Because, you know, most of my work has been with, um, you know, more formally developed companies that have been out for a while. And, but I've realized a lot of these CEOs were also entrepreneurs at, at the founders and when they first started. And I, I was like, well, wait a minute, there's a million books out there for entrepreneurs. I said, yeah, but there's not a million more entrepreneurs. No, there's something's missing. Why don't you apply your research methodology? And I, I thought that was an exciting request. So I started doing that about six years ago. And I started seeing that, you know, the, the entrepreneur journey that we're not teaching is the one that we should be. And that is not how to win, but how to lose. And we have a lot of books out there on teaching how to win, but there's not a lot of books teaching how to lose. And as I started doing background studies on a lot of the CEOs that I was working with, and also, you know, more famous ones that are in the media, I found out that their entire life was really littered with losses, you know, mistakes, miscalculations, ideas that didn't work. And I thought, why are we teaching that? You know, we're only teaching what they've the great the entrepreneurs have done right but we're not teaching what they did wrong and i found out that in the space of failure is where they found themselves and they they found their strength and they grew and so i thought maybe we should be teaching more around that you know around around how how do we behave how do we accept when we're in that that uh that place where we've fallen down or we're face down in the mud, you know, we, and it's just, it's different than the popular trendy, well, fail fast, you know, learn from mistakes. I mean, that's all great. And we should, but for entrepreneurs, it's different. You know, it's not like, Oh, we fail fast. We have to have a team meeting. The project didn't work. We're all sad. Well, let's pick ourselves up. No, that's, that's fine. Do that. But for an entrepreneur, it's not a team meeting where you're sad. It's like you lost your house. It's like, you know, you, you might be losing your marriage, you know, maybe you haven't seen your kids. I mean, it's, it's like your life is imploding. That's a different fail fast experience. <laughs> and I found out as I went through it, it's not for everyone. In other words, entrepreneurs seem to have a tendency to be okay with taking that level of risk. And so I started getting into that. And so when I wrote the book it, it, and I, I ran it by a bunch of CEOs, it was amazing because I, I went to CEOs. So yeah, uh, my uh, my wife came up and said, is this what you went through? And it's like, yeah, this is exactly what I went through. I had another one say uh, that um, it was, um, they were in partnership together. And he says, yeah, my spouse implemented three ideas after in the first day, it was like, I started seeing validation that, yeah, this was it. This is what they were missing. And so that's why I read the book. And, and there was a number of management myths that I had to debunk, but replace it with data and uh, actual experiences. If you've been thinking to yourself, I wish I had a personal brand that was easy to articulate and really captured all that I do, then look no further. Check out www.thebrandid.com today and sign up for a brand strategy session. We work with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, coaches, consultants, authors, and speakers all the time. And we've been doing this for nearly 15 years. We love the work we do, and we would be so honored to help you uncover and define your personal brand. So check out 
thebrandid.com today and sign up for your brand discovery session. So would you say part of this is like a real gut-wrenching, soul-searching journey into the, the heart of an entrepreneur and how they turn things around when they fail? Yeah, they lose. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, 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 that's uh, that's what I'm. That's what I I wrote about as I mm-hmm. experienced it and and uh, analyzed these experiences with uh, other CEOs. And I even did a lot of literature searches around what was really going on, mm-hmm. because a lot of entrepreneurs, if they're asked the right questions, will admit it. You know, and yes. it's different than what's in what's in the books. So it it was that, and I wanted it to be for the reader a way to say, "Hey, this is the reality that we're not talking about." But uh-huh. if you're there, this I, I want this to be with you, so that when you feel like you're going to stop, you don't stop. Mm. You know, when you feel yeah. like oh, it's going wrong, it's like no, this is exactly what the journey looks like. You know, and and how you're being in that moment of failure defines who you are as an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. No, I I uh, I can relate to that for sure. Um, did you find any common themes around how people were bouncing back, or you know, like were they discovering a deeper faith, let's say, um, when they were at their lowest lows, or like what were some of the things they were turning to? to kind of build back, um, it, build back their companies or build back their lives in a better way than it had been before? It, it varied. I mean, some would mm-hmm. maybe have more of a spiritual philosophical moment. Others mm-hmm. uh, were, were able to realize that what I know to be true isn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what's next? I mean, it's yeah. like, it's almost artistic. I mean, a lot of artists are entrepreneurs. If you think about it, yes. they're bringing ideas out of nothing. And sometimes you have to, um, what's a, a famous philosophy of art? You have to destroy before you can create. Yes. Mm-hmm. So entrepreneurs seem to be comfortable with destruction. Mm-hmm. So some of them actually, when the ideas fell apart, they could embrace the destruction, but it gave them access to new creation. And I think that's the journey, which is very rare. I mean, most people don't want to be that insane. <laughs> Why do I want to have my life full of destructions? But the entrepreneur seems to have um, the capability or the willingness to endure that level of risk. Yeah, yeah. I bet they don't view it as destruction either. They probably view it as, you know, an, a better idea or better way to do something. Yeah. Right before we got on, we were talking just a little bit about your your personal brand, your business brand with Saga, um, this new brand, well, old brand that you're now associating with the Pacific Institute. Uh, yeah. Can you share just a little bit about where you see your, you know, and, and winners and losers, right? Like your book itself, how you foresee these brands kind of meshing and evolving and like, where do you see yourself heading next? Oh, um, well, a lot of it for me is just um, expanding my relationship with, you know, just great people and brilliant people that are, that are uh, I'm just so privileged and grateful that they want to be in my life. And so the Pacific Institute uh, offers that because they've been around for 50 years. They're the ones that started, the word mindset and they're the ones that started the terms like find your why. I mean, this all happened with Lou Tice 
And uh, so coming to me to bring this foundational work and, and they like my new research, uh, it's been really great. So I, so where am I going is I think an increasing, uh, you know, love and in partnership and uh, mutual uh, growth uh, to we get out to the world, continue to get out to the world, the work that we've done, because at the end, uh, you know, I like to learn and teach. And so uh, my relationship with the Institute is helping me uh, magnify that. Uh, but where I'm going next, I, I don't know. I think uh, the winners and losers um, concept for entrepreneurs, we may want to extend that into different areas because as we uncover this with entrepreneurs, you know, this could apply in relationships. This could apply with seasoned CEOs running fortune companies. This could apply with, you know, HR executives. So there's a lot of areas there. So I think we're going to um, let this thing roll out and then start listening, you know, and see where there's some need. And, you know, working with people like you uh, in, the, in the field, you you give us feedback. And it, all this, we, we, we like to see it emerge. So I don't have any predetermined plans because if I did, it'd fail anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you just let your life evolve. And um, I, I've been reading lately, I don't know if you remember the book, The Celestine Prophecy. Do you remember that oh, book? Yeah, yeah, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, if you haven't read it in a while, I had forgotten it. It's it's a great read, but the way you're describing your life actually reminds me of the main character and how he's oh, letting his cool. intuition guide him to the kind of the next adventure, right? Talk about global yeah, adventures. Yeah. There's plenty in that book. But anyway, um, no, I think the winners and losers concept can be applicable to so many industries, you know, athletes even, right? Talk about yeah, winners and losers there. Yeah. Would do you define yourself as an entrepreneur? I mean, you've mentioned you're a researcher, you're an author, you're a teacher, but I feel like there's an element to your life too that is very entrepreneurial. Is, you know, you're self-funding your global adventures. Um, I'm sure the book is also self-funded, right? So I'm just curious, like, how do you define your yourself when you read about these entrepreneurs? Do you align? I've been I've been accused of being an <laughs> entrepreneur, um, I, and may, and maybe I am in some way. I my I see myself more as a, as a, just a teacher, you know, a learner and a teacher. I just like doing the research and the teaching. But you know, that being said, a lot of teachers that are out there researching new methods and new ideas and bringing them to fruition in a sense, are behaving in an entrepreneurial fashion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, where's the best place for people to learn about the book? Uh, you did give me a link, so we can put that in the show notes um, sure. and learn a little bit more about you. Sure. Well, well the um, the book's being distributed everywhere. So Barnes & Noble or Amazon, if you just um, type my name in and word winners and losers, losers, it should get you there. Um, right now, the site that we are um, focusing most of um, our, our work on is sagaleadership.com. It's like that we stole it from the Vikings. It's one of the tribes we, we analyzed. S-A-G-A leadership.com. And um, but again, we're we're linking up with with the Pacific Institute. But that, those are where areas you can track me. Okay. And I noticed too, you've got some excellent um, pre-launch bonuses in purchasing the book, right? Yeah, you know, on the book launch page, um, people were saying, "Hey, can we?" Uh, we started it as a pre-launch incentive, and now we're thinking about using it continually. Mm -hmm. Like, can I do a short mindset class, or how can I get access to, like. Uh, the Pacific Institute has a great thing called Invent Your Future, which started and it's been developed over 50 years. And it's an amazing online program. So we're looking at giving people access to that, too. Mm -hmm. So 
Yeah, yeah, we're going to be continuing to um, to do this and just stay tuned, keep in touch with us and let's see what happens next. Perfect. Thanks so much for your time today, Don. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Business of You. If you found a little dose of inspiration or learned something new, please leave a review and share it with a friend or even two. Interested in building your brand and business? Tune in next time to the Business of You podcast. And remember, there's only one you. You're the biggest differentiator your business has. Until next time, friends.